Welcome to episode two of the Self Reg Show. I'm Susan Hopkins. I am one of your hosts. The other is uh, the amazing Stuart Shanker, who's here with me today. The Self Reg Show is a, a new podcast. It will take many forms uh, over time. And one of the things that we will be doing as part of this podcast is conversations about some of the most well known. Phrases and ideas uh, that Stuart Shanker brings to us. So today we're going to be talking about why and why now. But let me say hello to you first. Hello, Stuart Shanker. Good morning. I'm so, I'm, I apologize for sunglasses and outside, but I, I'm thinking I'm not getting many more days like this, and I'm not going to miss it. It's a beautiful September day. Uh, here in Ontario, it went down to almost zero last night, so we are both well aware of that. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm just going to make a comment about Stuart and his glasses before we, we dive into what's, uh, what, what's bringing us all here together. Uh, it, it, it's it, from a self-reg lens. We try our, our darndest as, as self-reggers and as the merit center and just human beings to live really authentically and to walk our talk in all things self-reg. And that's, sometimes easier said than done. And I'll give you an example. If we had our videographers doing this, we're using Zencaster, so we're doing this on our own. Um, it makes us feel like toddlers sometimes setting it up and we should let you know that. <laughs> but if they were here with us, they are very go with the flow, but they would of course want Stuart to take his sunglasses off. Yes, they would. But the reality of understanding uh, you know, the impact of stress and stressors on all of our why and why nows, on all of the behaviors and how we're feeling in a moment and how we respond and, you know, the, the thoughts, whether they're, they're negative or optimistic, all those things that are going through our minds are all affected um, by, by, you know, Stuart talks about this idea of backpacks of stress. Well, light is, is a, a stress and it's different for all of us. Some, for some people, low light uh, is a stressor. I'm like Stuart. I find bright light uh, it is a lot. And so we try our best to walk our talk and just be real, you know, real humans in the moment. And Stuart's facing the sun, enjoying it, and he needs his sunglasses on today. So anything and, and, you want to say about that? Yeah, Aaron's not here, so I can get away with it. <laughs> this is true. This is true that Aaron is one of our, uh, our amazing videographers. So let's get to the topic today. It is last time in episode one, and if you haven't seen that, go back and check it and follow follow our podcast. We're evolving a, an entire channel of self-reg pods, and I'm very excited about this, but this is the anchor show. The self-reg show is the anchor show, and uh, we'll come to you in so many different forms. But this one, last time we talked about uh, Stuart's idea of no such thing as a bad kid, unpack that, explored a little bit of the story, what it means and why it matters. This time we're going to another very well-known uh, saying, you're, you're often quoted on this, it's why and why now? Can you tell me a little bit about what that is and where it came from and what led you to begin talking about that uh, with others? So there are layers to this idea. Um, three important ones. Uh, the first one, and I guess the most important, is um, it really came from all the work that I was doing on the interbrain. And the thing about the interbrain is 
um, you know, like it or not, we are always hooked up with a kid, whether it's our own kid or whether it's a student. And uh, the messages that are getting sent back and forth along the interbrain are very, very fast. Um, and they proceed and shape what we think, what we say, what we feel. So when we're dealing with a kid that is hyper aroused and, you know, this can take different forms. Maybe the kid is very angry or the kid is very anxious. Our interbrain is literally setting us up to feel exactly the same thing. So in a flash, we are sharing that hyperarousal. We are in that same limbic state. And so we want to ask why and why now? Not just because, well, you know, we're self-regulars, we're curious about what's going on. But this inserts a pause. And what it does is it, it removes us from that interbrain channel, that limbic channel, and it puts our blue brain back in charge. It puts our awareness, our self-awareness, and our ability to reflect. And so what we find is it's an essential element, especially in those kinds of interactions where they only seem to get worse and worse, more and more heated. We both end up yelling. Um, uh, perhaps as a parent, I end up escalating the uh, punishments. Um, there's shouting going on, but there's no communication. So this was really essential for us. By asking why and why now, what we're doing is inserting a pause between stimulus and response. We are giving ourselves that breathing room. And what we learned from self-reg is, of course, what we're going to do is we're now going to focus on the signs uh, that are telling us why the child is or, or, or teen is behaving this way. And that enables us to begin to problem solve and to co-regulate. So this is a big deal. And I think it's, it's because it's so powerful that it's become popular because it really does enable us to get to that place where we can share instead of arousal, we're going to share some oxytocin. <laughs> there are so many ideas in there we could unpack, but those will be future, future shows. I just want to ask one question before I respond. And I think it's important for those that are new to self-reg and new to some of these ideas. When you say the interbrain, uh, what do you mean by that? Well, they're going to have to, they're going to have to sign up and do some, do some, <laughs> our, 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 our foundations course. But one of the big breakthroughs in modern neuroscience is the discovery that um, our babies are born a couple of months premature. And there's lots of reasons for that, and Susan and I do explain them. But what it means is you have to ha nature had to come up with something to replace the umbilical cord because the newborn is still a fetus. The newborn is what we call a fetus outside the womb. So the question then became for neuroscientists and psychologists, what takes the role of the, of the umbilical cord? And the answer is the interbrain. 
This is a term that was coined by Digby Tantum, uh, but we can find the idea going back in psychologists right back to uh, Dan Stern would be an obvious example, Colin Trevartan. And here what we see, or Alan Shore, what we see is a wireless connection between the parents or the caregiver's limbic system and the child's limbic system. Uh, we aren't simply reading what our child is, um, you know, sending out signals. We are feeling what our child is feeling. Now, what's fascinating about the interbrain is it remains as strong an element in child, in parent, teen, educator, teen, or in adult, adult interactions as it is for the newborn. We are always communicating interacting with each other on these two levels, the, the prefrontal level, the blue brain level, and the limbic uh, uh, pre-conscious level. And the pre-conscious level um, is very rapid. Um, it's a brain-to-brain -brain, uh, communication channel, um, and we do it through all of our senses. So it's this, any of you that have ever had a moment where you know, you, you just felt you understood what someone else was, was, was feeling yeah. or experiencing without, remember, this is, is, is no words. We tend as human beings to want to go yeah. to all the talk and that kind of thing for connection. Mm -hmm. This is beneath that. If you've ever been in a space where you just felt connected to everyone or, you know, or just this sort of this sense of, I told Stuart years ago in, in a, in one of our courses about this experience at a folk festival I didn't know anybody. No. I was new to town and I just kind of felt these these kind of connections. Um, but it's also when you you have a sense, you know, you're 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 kind of picking up on something and you're not even really sure what it what it is. It can be all of those things. It, as a teacher, it can be the look. <laughs> have you ever had, you know, those of you who are educators in, in, in the early years or right on up through and you just looked, you know, at a child and there was this there was this. This understanding, it's like a, 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 it, it truly is that communication, but it's wordless. Uh, and it, it's quite right. a magical. There's a lot of really cool science. Stuart says, I help him. I follow along as chief learner. Uh, and he definitely does unpack all kinds of the complexities, but it's really neat. We think of it with infants and, and, and caregivers, but it's right on through the, through the lifespan. So uh, you know, and we're having self-raggers, by the way, having big debates because many people will say you have to be in person and and people that are that have done many courses with us uh, argue quite, quite strongly that they're convinced that you can actually have it under the right circumstances by distance because they feel those connections yeah. with people they have never been in a room with. Uh, so fascinating stuff. Yeah, I'm Let on the side. I'm on their side. <laughs> I, I am too, because I feel that. And I've had people that I've never, never met personally. And I, I, I don't know, I just feel it, right? So, um, all right. So you talked about the why and why now is the pause, which I love. Um, because for me, oftentimes, when we when we talk about this with people, they tend to want to ask the kid why or why now. And you know, well, well, why did you do that? And why now? And, and it's not to rule that out as a possibility. You know, sometimes uh, my daughter, if I can ask her, she can very clearly explain she's just really tired. She's got a head cold today. And so she can come up with some why and why nows that actually make sense. 
Um, but that tends to, you know, that that often really isn't what it's about. It's inserting that pause. And I love that you use that language because we, you know, it's a question. And um, people that are new to self-reg or maybe coming from a behaviorist view are, are, are trying to answer the question. And look, I'm not anti-finding, you know, lots of reasons why. Um, but it's actually the posing of the question that is the biggest shift for me. It's just, it's it's something that um, I don't try to do. It's just, hmm, it opens me to curiosity and I definitely understand it's, there's something more going on and that's a pivot point for me. Okay. So that's a huge point. Um, we're going to be, uh, uh, Susan and I will, will talk about this in November. We're going to have uh, the, what she's, uh, the, the point she's raising now is a very interesting problem for this idea that we can always give reasons for our actions. Um, so when we talk about asking why, and, and I love what she just said, when we ask why and why now, that doesn't mean we're going to know the answer. Um, and, and, you know, so, so, but it's, it, she's exactly what I think, uh, you know, you're starting this reflective process. And it's amazing how many times you may come back to the same point um, with a deeper insight into yourself or into a kid uh, or into a society. And this word now is one of the magic ones, right? So, uh, you know, it, 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 it's why sometimes we have Aviva, who's one of our, uh, she blogs for us and does all kinds of things, a kindergarten uh, educator that we learn a lot from. And she'll use the language of why this child and why now, but you could all, you know, and she's, she's like, there's something going on. And this is when children, you know, they children or teens, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really into the teen years as a parent of a teen now. And so the, they say, you know, mean things or it's not just my kid. It's just sort of understanding, thinking back to my own teenage years, you know, storm away or do something that doesn't sound like, you know, you're the, uh, the citizen of the world kind of thing. And it's like, wait a minute, we can frame that in sort of older ideas that, that, that tie to science that we've moved past uh, and we need to bring into our, our everyday practice where we begin to sort of think, you know, we're trying to manage or shape uh, certain behaviors or certain character. or And it's like none of that. Every one of you have had a moment that you've done something that you wouldn't want to put on a resume, <laughs> right? Or, or bring up in an interview. It's your lesson. I call them also human moments. Uh, Self-reg has been a gift to me because I no longer, it still happens. I still have the judgy moments of that, that thing happen on myself a little bit. Um, but it's so much better because I no longer get stuck on the fact of, wow, I reacted as a parent to... Um, my child, like, you know, saying, responding in a certain kind of way, or I reacted as a, a leader of an organization to a staff member doing this, that, or the other thing, or I reacted at the grocery store, or I reacted when I saw, you know, a certain kind of, you know, thing in the news um, in some kind of, of a particular way. It's no longer, oh, I'm a bad person or, you know, oh, am I really that wonderful person who was lovely all day? And then I go home at night and I bark at my own kids. No, you're that person. You're that person under stress. And it actually shifts and changes our reactions in a moment. And that little gift of why and why now is that pause, that pivot. And we stop harping on that, um, you know, and we begin to think about, okay, 
<laughs> this is a sign I need to do something to dial down some stress. And there's a whole lot more to it than that. Self-reg is a lot more complicated than that, but that's the gift of the why and why now. And now means it's not fixed. We have this idea of, oh, he can't self-regulate. I always want to say when someone says that, what do you mean? <laughs> they never, rarely do they mean that the definition that we're using and which is uh, part of it. But it's also that now in the moment, we, uh, you know, you're a good human being. You've done a lot of good things in the world. You wouldn't show up to a podcast like this if you weren't trying to figure out how to help and support kids and families and yourself and all of these things. But we're human. We're going to have moments that are oh so human. And it's like, why now? Just like kids, you know, why this particular moment? Why does the university student uh, who went away from their small town for the first time, it's well known, the university folks out there will tell you that there tends to be this sort of um, bit of a crash that'll happen in November. Lots of people go home and this sort of thing. Why did that kid who seems so resilient in one, you know, in their small community, maybe the Vela Victorian at their high school are doing all these things. And then all of a sudden, because there's a now to the why and why now and self can help us understand that. So I just said a lot. <laughs> I'm not sure which which point of that you want to want to grab onto, Stuart. Well, I think Susan's just raised, I mentioned at the outset that there are levels to this. And I think she Susan's just raised the next level. Um, so let me give you an example, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I go for uh, a long walk every day, uh, and it's a chance for me to really think through carefully what I'm working on and come up with some solutions or arguments. And I noticed the other day that all of a sudden I was, uh, I had a worry disc go in. And I realized that every day when I walk, the same thing happens at the same point in my walk. So I thought, well, that's, that's, that's really interesting. Why? And why now? And I realized that it had to do with, you know, I reach a certain point where I'm tired, where my blood sugar has dropped, my glucose has dropped. And what it's doing is it's a signal exactly like uh, what Susan's describing. It's a signal of, you know, where I am in terms of my energy and and uh, and tension. Now we can take this a step further because we want to ask why and why now for our own impulses. Uh, you know, um, we all have cravings. Um, you know, I have to be pretty disciplined these days, and so which means. Um, not giving into it to, you know, cravings that go back a lifetime. But I find that if I get into self-control mode, boy, is it ever tough on me? And I'm, and I'm fighting and I'm, you know, I really want to have, like, I'm not allowed to eat salt now. And uh, there's my wife sitting three feet away from me, munching away on some potato chips. And I just want to grab the bag out of her hands and, and, and have some fun. And the harder I try to resist this, it seems like the more desperate I become to grab the bloody bag. But instead now, what I do is I do ask myself why and why now. I reframe my own impulses. And um, what I find is those impulses are a wonderful way for me to tune in to my sub 
subcortex. My subcortex is constantly sending me messages. Uh, you need some food, you need some water, you need some salt. Um, we actually have a, a system just for salt. Um, and the second that I ask why and why now for myself, for my own impulses or urges, they seem to just, they seem to just evaporate. And now um, I become calm again. So just as I'm looking to be calm when I'm, you know, interacting with a child or trying to teach a child, I need to be calm with myself. Why and why now is a wonderful gift to getting to that fourth stage of suffering, to getting to calmness, which I think is what you were, what you were explaining. And for those of you that hear that and say, yeah, that sounds great for you, Dr. Shanker, <laughs> but I can't do that. Uh, I, I have a little bit, I mean, for me personally, I've struggled um, most of my life uh, since a teenager, as far back as I remember, uh, with my relationship with food. And I'm often very, very healthy. I've worked very, very hard. I have a lot of willpower in some ways until I don't, <laughs> you know, um, but the gift that self-reg gave me um, uh, that that it's truly compassion, but it's, it's really science. It's, it's realizing I might not have the answers, but just like Stuart said, the minute I know, okay, I'm craving, you know, whatever it is, junk food or whatever, um, that, that there is something more going on. And, you know, this separation of brain and body, like you are, <laughs> you are your body, you are your brain, you know, you're, it's all, it's all part of it. And so it doesn't always stop me um, from indulging in, in whatever craving I have. Sometimes they are so strong, uh, that it's painful. And I think, I know Stuart can talk about that. They're just, it's excruciating. Uh, and so I, but the, the difference now is when in the past I used to, I would you give into it because it's almost like a fire you need to extinguish and then you feel better and then you feel worse. Um, you know, that, that I, I use it as a sign of if, if I'm going to go and get whatever, uh, I go and get it, need it. And then I make sure I start the next day, um, with the things that help, help with that. So, uh, for me, it's starting with some protein, but it's also realizing, look, I went past my peak yesterday was Wednesday and we do our, our self reg um, merit center, the, the talks, the Twitter chat, we did number 81. It's a lot of Twitter chats once a month. Um, and I had, I noticed, uh, 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 six months ago or so, this huge pattern of this binge eating at the end of Wednesday nights. Well, no wonder, because <laughs> I'm like, I'm on all day. Right. And so is that, is, you know, is that weakness? No, uh, that really is a sign that I miss, I miss the cues to restore along the way. So again, it doesn't always solve things instantly. Um, but reducing the guilt about it or the judgment is is that's actually taking away a stressor and i begin to work on the front end like it, it they happen less and less and i know what to do about it and i you know and i and i think that's a really important point so this isn't like an instant solution it might be for some uh, for some people just knowing there's science that explains it boom <laughs> for others it's not but it is part of the journey out of feeling at the mercy of some of these urges that, you know, that color our lives. So you said a couple of things there that are really, really important. Well, everything was. But, um, uh, so what we're looking for is this, you know, we're trying to understand what's going on 
inside a kid. We're trying to understand what's going on inside ourselves. Um, it's a journey. I loved what Susan said about, you know, all, you know, all these steps during the day that I missed out on, you know, it's starting to make sense of things, not fighting. And I remember a conversation that Susan and I had, and believe it or not, it was eight years ago. <laughs> and uh, is that possible? Yes, <laughs> it was eight years ago. And um, what had happened was uh, Donald Trump was becoming this menacing presence um, and uh, what we were talking about is uh, why anyone could possibly tolerate this, approve this, applaud this, be swept up in it. And this was the time at which um, Hillary Clinton had come up with her line about uh, the deplorables, which the campaign picked up on. And, you know, they uh, wore T-shirts saying, I'm a deplorable and so on. It was a huge mistake. But the mistake was uh, she went judgmental. And what we, what we did was uh, we actually were filming about this um, with the boys out in the back. I remember the conversation and we asked why and why now? Why were people behaving the way they were um, at, the, at the rallies? Uh, why were people getting swept up in this uh, sh uh, abandoning principles that they'd held their entire life? Those are very interesting questions, and they're difficult, and they take a lot of analysis, uh, figuring out what the stresses are, what the maladaptive modes of self-regulation are. But Susan was making a hugely important point. Why do we do this? Do we do it because we don't want to be judgmental? And the reason why we do it is when we go into judgmental mode, uh, we're not solving anything. Um, in fact, we're just getting, you know, we're getting aroused ourselves, you know, and you know, I'm so angry, I call them a deplorable. But when we get into that self-reg objective stance, that's when we can begin to look at constructive strategies, constructive solutions, whether it's with a child, whether it's with ourselves, whether it's with our society. If we don't, then what happens is we become polarized. Our society becomes polarized or we become polarized as an individual. So we're doing all this not just to help the kid, not just to help ourselves, but we're doing this to help our society. And the fact that these problems seem to, they just go on and on, or the kid gets worse and worse, or I've, I'm in this endless battle, tells us that we haven't reached that constructive stance, that, that, that sort of mental space where with the pause that we talked about at the very beginning, we can now begin to look at genuinely helpful solutions, such as the five steps of self-reg. <laughs> and, you know, when I hear what Stuart just shared, just a teaser for all of you, he is reviving. We are continuing on with the Shanker Chronicles as another one of our, of our podcasts and uh, you can look for that. We're filming this in uh, September of 2022. And you can look for those uh, maybe towards the end of this calendar year, but definitely uh, coming back in January. And because Stuart is so passionate about a just society and this being more just that more than just trying to figure out a four year old yeah. kid who's refusing to do what you want him to do or yeah. 
uh, a child that won't sit in their chair or whatever. It's, it's, it's about all of us yeah. and it has a, as a lens on, um, and solutions. So yeah. not just ideas, not just philosophy, but, but, a, but a path forward, yeah. um, that is, it brings unity and brings us together and, and on hard conversations, which is what we need to do. So look for that. These are the sorts of things he talks about the issues of the day. And, uh, we've done six in the past, which, uh, we'll make sure we link here. You, you can go and look at them. They're still relevant. Of course, they were filmed in a, in a, in a moment in time. Um, and that moment in time has moved along, but there's, there's so much relevance. So we're really excited that he's reviving that as well. The other thing I just want to share there is noticing that, um, that what Stuart's Stuart, as he brought up is saying that in every situation, we, you know, you have this saying of it's, it, it's personal. So we always have to yeah. start with ourselves yes. and that's not easy. Many people who come to self-right come because they're trying to figure out their kid or their students or, um, or they're a leader that are trying to get their team to uh, see beyond the behaviors and, and, you know, um, again, ideas out there like function of behavior where we're realizing they're trying to get attention. Okay. <laughs> why? <laughs> really, why? Why am I now? And and how do we make that's it so great. they don't have those urges? Like that's what Stuart's talking that's about. Great. You know, you, you talk about reducing the effort and effortful control, right? So it's how do we, what, you know, what more can we do? And, and that we have to see ourselves in the mix and we do that, um, with with compassion but science and with reflection and uh you know that that's a big part of of the shifts that we hear we always hear people come to learn learn more learn some of these ideas because they were trying to understand something in their profession or yeah. or in their parenting um and then it's like at the end of the day you're like whoa this is me <laughs> and not in a negative way in like a hopeful way this is not a program yes it is you know it is the five steps but it's also this framework and it and it's not oh you come and learn a little bit and then go and buy xyz program <laughs> uh -uh. <laughs> can be the whole foundation so i'm just going to end with one story one quick story that happened yesterday and then we'll wrap up for today so I mean, you know, we have all these different groups and somebody who is, who does know a fair amount of self-reg raised a question um, in, in a, a, a group. Uh, so other people that would be in their new self-reg. So that's one of those, uh, it's a Facebook group. And she asked, uh, she said she was uh, trying to get some insight from the group. Um, she was doing lots of self-reg and helping something to the language of helping uh, the students, I got the feeling it was kindergarten, grade one kind of thing, um, but but uh, was trying to, you know, help the students with their self-reg strategies. Um, but at a certain point, she was struggling because they weren't able to sit still and listen, that their hands were moving all the time and <laughs> um, and that they were distracting others. And so at what point do you get back to that? And was her question. Now, there were some neat responses, but I'm just curious off. Uh, you should all know that we don't, we're not pre-planning this. We really go with the flow. We like that authenticity. So Stuart does not know this in advance. I'm just curious, any thoughts that come to mind as you hear uh, that question? You know, I can't help but relate the question to what you were saying two seconds ago. So whatever's going on in the kids, the kids are stressed, blah, blah. You know, what is it about herself? Why did she find this? a stress and what can she do you know so again what we're going to ask is we're going to ask why and why now but here we're going to ask it not about you know let's say we're talking about six years old seven years old 
we're going to ask it about, you know, the adult in the room who suddenly has gotten stressed by what is really just a very, very typical part of, you know, this is what it is to be uh, a kindergarten teacher or whatever. And what can I do myself? I'm not going to look at their self-help strategies, but what can I do to get back to that state of joyous calmness, calmness in my body, calmness in my mind? And one of the amazing things is how quickly you can do that. It's uh, one of the expressions I used a long time ago is once you learn self-reg, it's like flipping a switch. Yeah. Yeah. And joy, you know, as as an educator, before I had the language of self-reg, I had, I I mean, I've learned so much, but I had the lightheartedness and always really believing there was more to understand. And I always thought it was for me to kind of, you know, I, 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 in my heart, I didn't think there was such a thing as a bad kid. So I sort of had that, that coming at it, but I also um, believed in not seeking compliance because look, if I can get kids to do exactly what I want them to do, and I could, and I have had moments when I'm sure I did that. uh, And then I turn my back or I'm off for a day and you know, this break, really, what have I done? I've, I've done this. I've got the thumbs in some kind of way. And it doesn't always need to be with threat or, you know, that kind of thing. It can be, um, there's all sorts of ways that you can do it. That was never my goal. And it was, I wanted them, Stuart gave me the language. I wanted them to want to comply, but I, I worked on it in all kinds of ways, right? <laughs> so it's, it's really kind of interesting here because, um, you know, you've got to think about the whole group. Why and why now can make people think that we're talking about 30 separate programs and IEPs or whatever you call the behavior programs, you know, of this group of whether they're three or four or nine or high school. And it's not that at all. Um, it really is an inclusive process. Universal design for learning aligns because you can think of two kids and you do stuff for the yep. whole group. And it's at the universal level. But we need to stand back and say, hmm. Okay, so my first question, um, and I didn't know this this uh, this person, so sometimes I, I know the person, so I don't actually know the story. Um, are you in a place where there's all kinds of pressure on you, you know, the pressure on you to get, to get to a certain kind of lesson taught in a certain kind of way? And uh, here in Ontario, there has that's been great. some pressure on that. So so that's a stressor, or you're seeing everybody yeah, that's else. Great. That's, that's great. Done, that's right? just great. That's just great. Which raises then the idea. So some of the people that responded, um, um, I, I felt their self-reg spirit and how they responded, um, protecting um, really dignity and all these things. But also talking about the fact of pedagogy. Okay, why? Right? In my heart, it was hearing more learning needing, needed to be done. And because when we're thinking of self-reg as strategies, we've misunderstood. No, it's everything. Right. And children are when they're excited about their learning. I mean, like, have you ever seen a bunch of kids about something? They're like, oh, (laughs) I had a kindergarten teacher. I was uh, mentoring a few years ago, uh, a long time ago, decade ago. And she was so struggling because the little boys in her in her group. Um, had discovered a dust bunny that was <laughs> and and it took overtook everything and then other educators on this it was a kindergarten course I was teaching for a university um, said to them well why don't you build you know that's an inquiry around yeah. the dust bunny Caroline Wien. so many things game changer how much fun they had how much joy they had so that's just terrific 
Yeah. So it's not, I don't have any answers. I don't have enough solution, you know, enough of the context or any of those things, but I do know that it's not self-reg, self-reg over here. It's not just a bunch of squishy balls or some deep breathing. Uh, you know, there's so much more that, that fifth oh, step that's of great story. is a restoration, you know, are they restored? Like, you know, how do we get kids ready? How do we build that excitement? That's all part of, 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 of the teaching, you know, are you talking about a whole group, um, which is something, again, we can get back to pedagogy. Is that the best way, right? What do we want them to learn? Not what do we need to teach, but what do we want them to learn? So I don't have any super answers, but I can tell you. Well, that, that was a pretty good answer. <laughs> problem. And it is not, you know, like, again, don't, the, the, the two to two thirty. Uh, you can learn about the brain and some strategies and all those kinds of things. Uh, but it can infuse in absolutely everything you do. And to educators feeling that kind of stress, because that's what I, that's what, what, what um, bled through for me. And in, uh, uh, in, in a, in a way was just this teacher that cared an awful lot about the kids and felt this pressure. She was supposed to be doing certain things and she couldn't get them to settle down. And, you know, and you're trying to like, whack them off. <laughs> right. And, and, and how hard is that when you care so much? That's very so, good. Especially, uh, especially for today when we know our teachers are going back to work and it's not the easiest time. It's a tough time. And it's a time now for everybody to listen to this podcast and start doing self-reg. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we can use this as an opportunity to have a really genuine revolution in education. And that was the final word from Stuart Shanker. So we will see you for podcast number three. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Stuart. Okay, doke. Bye.